Now, InfoTrack continues. To learn more about our guests or listen to past shows, visit InfoTrack online at InfoTrackRadio.com. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Only 29% of all science and engineering workers are female, and far fewer are minorities. How can we encourage more women and minorities to pursue tech careers? With the story, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Only about 3 in 10 science and technology workers are women, but now there's a growing number of groups to help girls and women learn to code, which creates software, apps, and websites. Joining us now is Natasha Ravanon, who some say is one of the top high school coders and who founded a nonprofit to help girls code. Her new book is Girls with Dreams, Inspiring Girls to Code and Create in the New Generation. Natasha, before we get to the highly publicized issue of industry inclusiveness, some say that girls and women are not put off by the challenges of learning math and science required for coding, but simply are not motivated to get involved. Are they not seeing the exciting creative aspects of coding? I think one of the main issues that's at hand that we really have to address that I find important is when young girls try to join science, try to join technology, they're not necessarily joining the ranks of previous women before them on a large scale. So, for example, when some boys might want to join engineering, they have so many previous pioneers to look up to. They have people like Thomas Edison. They have people like Albert Einstein. So many famous faces that we all recognize. But if I just throw in a name, say Grace Hopper, the odds are that the average American is not going to recognize that name. And Grace Hopper was actually one of the most important visionaries of our time who created the first coding compiler, which allows us to create the products that you mentioned today. And so what I believe is that it's not necessarily girls not seeing that there's so much opportunity in STEM. It's more of us not having those role models, as many role models as perhaps our male counterparts do. And that's so, so important because only if we have inspiration and we have people to look up to can we really base ourselves on something that we'd like to accomplish, at least in this field. But do you believe the creative aspects of coding get enough play in the media? I believe that the creative aspects of coding do get enough play, but I do believe that at the same time, we need to work together to make sure that we're including people of all different origins because because we come from such different walks of life, we all have different creative things to add to the products that we make, to the technical innovation that we create. And so I do believe in that area, that's why we need to push for inclusiveness in this field. Females, like males, frequently volunteer in social causes. So to get girls involved in coding, why not stress to girls the chance to create, say, an app to help a social cause? There's actually a really phenomenal organization out there called Girls Who Code. And what they're doing is they're basically inspiring thousands and thousands of girls across the country to take up coding. And one of the things that they often stress is coding for social good. So I've seen numerous, numerous stories of girls creating apps, for example, to sort of de-taboo the issue of female menstruation. I've seen websites being created in order to encourage access to clean water in third world countries. And so I believe that not only is coding just a great, great thing in terms of our technological industry, 
but it's also great in order to get young people involved in social justice, get young people involved in coding actively to solve the problems of tomorrow and tackle the issues of today. What advice would you give parents on actively introducing their girls to the possibility of a career in coding or computing? In Girls with Dreams, I actually outline a three-step process that both families and communities can take together. The first C is change, and that starts with parents changing gender norms and gender biases within the household. So, for example, not necessarily steering their girls towards things like Barbies and dollhouses, but also pushing them to what some people would consider more male-centric toys, Legos, for example. The second C is cooperation. So families can cooperate with technical communities within their neighborhoods, organizations like Girls Who Code, in order to encourage their girls to try it out, see if they like it, and if they do, make sure they stick with it. And finally, the last C is commemoration. Commemoration is actively recognizing the female technical pioneers that came before us, people like Grace Hopper, people like Sheryl Sandberg. And so I believe that if families follow this three-step process, it's definitely not only an easy way to introduce your girls to STEM, but it's also a very effective way to keep them in it. What would you say to a girl who thinks boys won't like her if she's smart or pursues science and math? This one actually hits a bit close to home because I wanted to join a robotics club when I was about 10 or 11, and I was actively discouraged by the boys who were there who kept verbally abusing me, basically, because I wasn't one of them. So what I would say to the girl is it's not important how others view you. It's always the most important that you be doing the best that you can do for yourself. If you believe that coding is the way that you can help other people and you can better yourself, then I say go for it. Don't look back and certainly don't care about what anyone else has to think of you. We're visiting with Natasha Ravanand, author of Girls with Dreams, Inspiring Girls to Code and Create in the New Generation. Natasha, why do you believe some girls in school gain and then lose interest in science? One of the key drop-offs is around the middle school area, because up until middle school, girls are almost as interested in STEM as their male counterparts, despite societal influences from outside. But in middle school is where you really begin to become more self-conscious of yourself in the context of the other gender. And so you start gender segregating a lot more and you start to realize the differences between us versus them. So when you have more males who are sort of grouping up in your science classes and you feel like you're the outsider whenever you want to participate, you start to add in with those societal biases that you have, that women aren't cut out for engineering, women aren't cut out for math. And so you begin to really just feel excluded from the norm. That's why I believe so many girls end up losing interest in STEM because they don't have peers. And quite frankly, that's what organizations like Girls Who Code and my organization, She Dreams in Code, are trying to do. We're trying to encourage that camaraderie within girls, within STEM, because that's one of the key things that actually keeps them within the industry. You've interviewed CEOs and other high-level managers. What's the most important thing you've learned from them? The most important thing I learned from them is the importance of female empowerment in high positions. So if you look at technical positions in companies in the Fortune 500 and Forbes, what you begin to see is there's a large overrepresentation of white and Asian males leading the company, leading boards of directors. And this is especially true in tech you see very, very few women of minorities leading these technical companies. 
And so it's definitely a great step to start encouraging diversity overall in the technical workplace. But change starts from the bottom up, but it doesn't stop till you reach the top. So until we have equal representation in positions like CEO, CFO, board of directors, we haven't really achieved the change because we're not having women of minority origin and we're not having women themselves be leading the change that we want to see. You say there are contributions women can make in the tech world that men cannot. Give us a couple of examples. Women make up a large, large portion of consumerist tech products. So one of the things that I believe is that when you have diversity, you just have more diversity of thought. And what I mean by that is when you have more diversity of thought, you just have better technical innovation because each person can bring something different to the table. When you have a room and you have a workplace that's composed of entirely the same demographic, you're having a sort of stagnation of thought. And so when you have women join men, you're not necessarily bringing sort of a different skill set, but you're bringing a different diversity of thought. Thoughts of a woman who's experienced a uniquely different experience in life than perhaps their male counterparts. And so when you bring something like this to the issue of female consumerism, when you have female engineers create the technical products that female consumers are using, you really have a better product that's better suited to fit the needs of the consumer. And not only is that economically friendly for the company that's creating the product, it's also a lot better fit for the consumers themselves. And in the end, it just creates a more vibrant, more innovative workplace. Girls with Dreams, inspiring girls to code and create in the new generation. Natasha Ravanon, thank you for being with us today. No problem. It's my pleasure. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.